0: Give God some praise in this house this morning. Come on, I said, Redemption. Are you ready to give God some praise in this house this morning? He Amen. is worthy of every ounce of praise that you can give out of your body. So this morning, we're going to give it all to Him, okay?
1: Amen. Hallelujah.
0: And I saw Satan fall like lightning, and I saw darkness run for cover. Come on, put those hands together. But the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. And I believe in signs and wonders. And I have resurrection power. Yes, I do. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Oh, my praise. Belongs to you forever. Come on, this is my testimony. This, this is my, my testimony, testimony from death to life. Hey, hey, because grace, grace rewrote wrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the, the righteous. I'm justified. I'm justified. This, this, is this is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come on, put those hands together. Let's go back to that first verse. Come on. And I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I saw darkness run for cover. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. And I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Oh, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony testimony
1: from from death to life This grace rewrote my story, I'll testify
0: Oh, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This, this is my, my testimony. testimony. This is my testimony. Oh oh oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed with water. the praises of the spirit son and father our god will finish what he started. do you believe that today say our god will finish what he started oh this is my testimony this is my testimony from death to life because grace rewrote my story i'll
1: testify by By jesus Jesus christ the the righteous i'll justify. This, this is, is
0: my testimony. testimony this is my tes- testimony oh, this is this is my testimony, testimony from death to life because grace rewrote Lord my story
1: i'll testify by, by jesus christ, christ the righteous i'm justified this, this is my testimony. testimony this is my testimony, testimony. Oh. Oh. Come on,
0: sing it like this. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come.
1: Greater things are still to come. Come on, sing it
0: again. If I'm not dead, you're not done.
1: Greater things, greater things. Greater things are still to come. Oh, oh. I'm not dead. I'm not I'm dead, dead. You're when not I dead. I You're I dead. dead. I'm not dead. I'm still in
0: love. I believe. Come on. Oh, Come believe. This my is my testimony. From, From death to alive. life. Come on, put those hands together. When so you are right my glory, story. I'll testify. By, by Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my, come on this is this is my testimony from dead to life because grace rewrote my story I'll testify Jesus Christ the righteous I'll justify this is my testimony I'm alive oh come on if you're alive in Jesus today lift up a shout of praise in this house Hallelujah! Oh. Come on, one more time, one more time. If I'm not dead, if I'm not dead, you're, dead, you're, you're not, not done. done. Come on, say it like you mean it. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. Hey. If I'm not, not dead, dead, you're, you're not, not done. Greater things, greater things. Greater things are still
1: to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not, dead. I'm not dead, you're not
0: done. You have great things in store for me. Greater, greater things, things are still to come. Oh, not, dead. I'm not, not dead, dead, you're not done. Greater things I'm still to Oh, For I believe this is my testimony: from dead to life. This grace rewrote my story. I'm testify
1: by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive.
0: some praise in this place today. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you.
1: That I can't contain, that I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God To set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain, that I can't control And I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Family,
0: if I can just encourage you this morning concerning the fire of God. I'm reminded of a man that was out in the wilderness that came across a bush that was burning. But there was no evidence of the tree dying. There was no evidence that the tree was going to burn up and it wasn't going to be burning anymore because the fire of God is a consistent burning and burning and burning. I'm then reminded of three Hebrew children that were thrown into a fiery furnace. Now the revelation of the Lord just came to me and what cannot be caught on fire? Something that is already on fire. And so when I say those three Hebrew children were already on fire on the inside of them, When they were put into the fire, they're not going to catch on fire because they're already burning. They're already burning as hot and as... my God. They're already burning as hot and as bright as they can for God. So if you feel defeated today, if you feel like your fire has just been put out, if you would just access the fire of God, it doesn't matter what kind of fire comes your way and tries to burn you. See, the, the Hebrew children, they came out of the worldly fire, you couldn't smell the smoke, their clothes they still had all the clothes on they went in with it did not affect them because they were already on fire, and if you're not on fire for God this morning, let me encourage you it's as simple as saying God set my soul on fire for you today church, let me tell you something, we're going to sing this, and I encourage you go into the holy of holies, go into his place, and catch fire for God today,
1: one more to die. I was born. Oh what to? All you I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all.
2: We just thank you today for flowing into this house I thank you Father that although we are not enough on our own that we are more than enough with you that Father your strength is found in our weakness so today Lord as we worship and as we cry out to you Lord as we seek your face Father I pray that you would move on each and every person in this house Lord that you would show up and show out in people's lives today Father, let people hear a fresh, fresh voice today, Lord. Let them hear a fresh, a fresh word from you today, Father. I pray, Lord, that we will be able to hear exactly what it is that you want to speak to us. Lord, you are so big and you are so mighty, Lord, that you can talk to each and every person in this room differently and, and meet a different need and speak into their different situations, Father, all at the same time because you are God. You are holy, Lord, and we worship you today. Father, I do pray that you would set us on fire today in the ways that we need to worship you today, Father. I pray that you would just set our souls on fire today, Lord. Set our our heart on fire for you, Lord. Father, we thank you for moving in this house on these people. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give him a, a hand clap of praise today. Bye. What a great word that Josh gave this morning at the beginning of worship. I I have been stuck on a song lately, and it's much like the song we were just singing. Every time I get into my truck lately, I've been putting this particular song on. It's called Fresh Fire by, by Maverick City. And, and every single time I get in my truck lately, I find myself going to my iPhone and, and, and putting on that song. And, it, and, and it's just, Lord, give me a fresh fire. And, and Lord, if I must burn, let me burn for you. You know, are the lyrics to that song. And then I didn't know what what, uh, what, what Pastor Brad had put on the, on the schedule for today to sing. But then we come in and we sing about fire, Lord. Set, me, set my heart on fire for you. Set me on fire for you, Lord.
3: And I, I just
2: have to, to think that God wants to do something in this church. And God wants to do something in your homes. And God wants to do something in your families. And that sometimes in a season of struggle and in a season of pain, and 2020 has been different for many different people, right? There's been issues of pain for many different people in different situations in different ways. But no doubt about it, 2020 has affected each and every person in this room. Something in 2020 has affected you. And some of you have been affected more than others. So some of you came into this service today and you were were just uh, maybe depressed, maybe downtrodden, maybe feeling a little dejected, maybe feeling like, how am I ever going to overcome this? How am I ever going to overcome this situation? And I'm I'm, going to tell you today that the answer is for you to cry out to God, to set you on fire for Him. Because as Josh said this morning, if you're already on fire, you can't be burnt. Amen. And if you're already on fire, the enemy can't burn you. You, you can you set yourself on fire for God today. And, and I don't know about you, but that's what I long to see in this church. My dad told me a couple of years ago before, uh, before he passed, he, he said, Steve, uh, if, you, if you have a church that sets itself on fire, people will come to watch it burn right and i'm not talking about a physical fire in the building please don't misunderstand me and pull out your lighters. that's not what i'm looking for i'm talking about a church body a church of believers that physically sets that spiritually not physically spiritually sets yourself on fire for the lord today that you begin to proclaim his name that you begin to say lord burn off anything in me that's not of you Lord, burn off anything in me that needs to go today. And I'm telling you, church, as we begin to do it, in the balcony, as you begin to do it today, down here on the floor, as you begin to do it today, standing up here on stage, as all of you begin to do it today, we're going to see the Lord begin to move in new ways. We're going to begin to see supernatural events happen at this church, around this altar, in the foyer, in the parking lot. I don't care where it happens, but we're going to begin to see supernatural events take place in people's lives. But the first place it has to happen is in your heart. The first place it has to happen is in my heart. The first place it has to happen is in our hearts. And if we set ourselves on fire for Him today, Look out, church, at what's going to come our way. I don't. I, don't, I, I talked about last week. Oh, I just, I long to see God do something new. Yes. I want to see Him do something different. I don't want each and every week, and I'm not saying that's what we do, but sometimes we get in a rut. And we come in and we just do church because that's what's expected. And we sing a few songs and we, and we listen to a word and we leave. But nothing really changes in our lives. And I'm telling you today, church, that when we allow God to really affect and change our lives, it doesn't just change your life, but it changes everybody around you. Everybody around you starts to be impacted. I want to let's sing that again before we move on today. We just sing this, and, and if you're with me this morning and you want to see up in the balcony, if you're with me today and you want to see God move in this church, you want to see, and listen, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the church. If we want to see God move in this church, then it must begin with me. Go ahead and put your hand on your heart and say, It starts with me. It starts with me today. Sing this song and if that's in your heart, proclaim it to God this morning. So set a fire down in my soul that I
1: can't contain that I can't control I want more of you God I want more of you God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control I want more My soul.
2: give a hand clap of appreciation for our worship team. They have, uh, are, are really just leading us into worship lately. It's been an, an incredible, incredible times of worship lately. I'm so excited about that. Uh, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? And uh, Katie, if you would hit the house lights for me. Thank you so much. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 4, that's where our scripture is today. Uh, how many of you have been enjoying the Too Much Junk in the Trunk series? <laughs> yeah? Been enjoying it. It's a. I, I've been having a good time with it, but I feel like, man, this is a series that really steps on your toes, and it, it steps on my toes a lot when I'm when I'm preparing it, and and I'm sure I've stepped on a few toes as I've been preaching it, uh, but I gotta say that it's it's a gr- it's been a great series. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've been really just, just focusing on this junk that we carry around as a people, the junk we carry around in the trunk, the stuff that uh, we, we started talking about in the first portion of the series, how the junk just collects all in your car, right? We've been utilizing cars in this series and talking about cars. We started off with a video with a with a Chevy Camaro SS and how when it looks so gorgeous on the outside, but when you open the door, trash just fell out, you know, and we talked about that car and then Pastor Kenny uh, brought it in the next week, talking about racing and, and applying that to, to the race that you're in and your faith and in your life and finishing well. Uh, and then we moved into uh, last week, we talked about U-turn, making the U-turn that sometimes we're listening to Navi and Navi is telling us to go one direction, but we decide we know better than the navigation and we make a different turn or we go a different direction. And then eventually we've got to make a U-turn, right? Or maybe we even accidentally get off path and go the wrong direction. And we need to make a U-turn. So we talked about that last week. This week, I'm going to talk about something that, you know, I've never had a problem with. And it's called Road Rage. As some, some of y'all who come to Wednesday night teaching, you know, we do life application stuff on most Wednesday nights. Of course, we're in the middle of our eight-week small group series right now, and in the small group series, uh, you know, we haven't been preaching, but before that, if you came on Wednesday nights, you would have found that we, we cover a lot of just life application topics, and I tell a lot of embarrassing stories about Jessica during those weeks, and, and it, no, no, I don't. I, I tell the stories about me uh, in those weeks, but I've told some stories about road rage and some incidents where uh, being out driving made me angry. Has anybody in the room ever got angry while driving? Yeah, most of us have, right? Now, listen, there's two different types of anger when you're driving, right? You have road rage anger, which is rage that just comes out of you, uh, but you also have passive-aggressive anger, when you're driving, like pretending you don't see that guy with the blinker trying to get into your lane. You know, that's passive aggressive, right? You're you're just driving along and you're just eyes forward, ten and two, right? And you see the guy waving, smiling, you know, holding up his Bible, everything, trying to get in, and, and you just you just won't do it, right? That's that's passive aggressive anger when you're driving, right? Or sometimes somebody's going slow and you just decide. To do, I'm going to get all the way up on their bumper, right? I'm, I'm going to get like a, like a bicycle in between uh, them and us, right? That's passive-aggressive anger, right? So maybe you don't rage out on the road, uh, but maybe you do it passive-aggressively, right? So there's different types of anger. And as always, we're using these analogies to discuss the road that we're living in life, right? So it's not always about what we do in the car, but it's, it's, it's what we do in life. So I want to hit on just a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll dive into the message for today. First of all, in the front lobby, out there on, on almost every table out there are voter guides for the election coming up. Uh, they're, they're given by uh, a lot of different organizations. There's two different organizations that are represented out there that have, have mailed the voter guides to us. Uh, grab one on your way out just so that you're an informed voter. So it it talks about the biblical issues and the issues that Christians should care about. And it shows which party they line up with. So if you would grab uh, one of those on your way out today, they are going to be out there for the next couple of weeks until after the election. And then we're going to move on from that. Next week is Daylight Savings Time. Right. Next week is fall back. So I'm always excited about fall back because we gain an hour. Right. So so. But don't forget, most people are are just use their phones these days. The phones automatically change anyway. But if you're not one of those people and you still have a regular alarm clock, uh, remember to set your time back next Saturday night or you're going to be really early to church next week. And Jim Czerwinski's Sunday morning small group will be packed right? So we'll, we'll have to move him to the sanctuary if you all show up and don't set up your time, right? So, so make sure and, uh, and do that for next week. And then um, what else did I want to cover? Christmas sponsorships. Christmas is coming up. Can you believe that? Christmas is coming up. It's coming fast. It's probably not something you want to hear already, but it's true. And uh, there's one thing that we do um, for the past two Christmases, last Christmas and this Christmas that we're doing is we're sponsoring and joining with uh, the Foster and Adoptive Parent Association. So we sponsor uh, kids. Last year we we sponsored 10 kids. And when I say sponsored kids, I don't mean Uh, Each kid gets a gift. I mean, each kid got a full Christmas, right? So we sponsored 10 last week, or last year is what we promised. We ended up sponsoring 21 because more funds came in. So 21 kids last Christmas got $250 each worth of presents, and, and we blessed them. Amen? Now, some of those kids last year were in our own church, Right? So it wasn't all the, the uh, adoptive and foster care associations. Some of those kids were in our church. This year we're doing the same thing. Uh, so would you pray with me? And starting next week uh, in the offering, if you feel led, would you give towards that? Uh, We also have some folks who last year uh, did a lot of the shopping for us, took the shopping list and really blessed these kids. And if you're interested in doing that, contact Kennedy or Diane in the office and just let them know that you're interested in being a part of that, and we'll get you on the list. So if you like to shop and you can stay in a budget
3: then we want you to
2: be a part of that, right? Now, now listen, don't skip over that second part. <laughs> so if you like to shop and you can stay in the budget, we want you to be a part of that, right? Uh, I, I think about Miss D last year. We gave her, like, I think she, she did, like, eight kids. I think she took eight kids last year to, to go shopping. We gave her the funds. Her receipts lined up to the penny she spent exactly what was allotted for each kid and her receipts lined up to the, I think she had a penny left over, didn't you? It was, it was one penny left over, in, Incredible, right? So we're going to have her shop for about 20 kids this year. Now I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Now with, with COVID and everything going on, we don't want somebody going out if they're not comfortable. So make sure you're comfortable with everything going on in the community. You're okay to go shopping. Uh, you can stay in a budget and you have a heart for blessing these kids. And if you want to do that, call us and let us know. Amen. Amen. So are you in Ephesians chapter 4? So today we're talking about road rage and there's a subtitle for road rage which is why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Have you ever just thought to yourself like why am I so mad right now? Like, why am I even mad? Like, like, what's going on, right? Well, let's talk about Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. And this is scripture that we started off this series with. We actually uh, used a whole chunk of Ephesians chapter 4, but we're going to focus on verses 30 through 32 today. And it reads like this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So as we finish out this series, uh, I want to talk about why are you so mad? And in doing so, I'm talking about why am I so mad? Why don't you go ahead and look at your neighbor this morning and say, why are you mad, bro? And if you need to say that a little more Caucasian, all you have to do is say, why are you mad, my brother? (laughs) But either way works, right? The first way works for me because it's the least amount of words, right? Why, Why are you mad, bro? Like, why are you upset? Sometimes we need to know that, right? So we're in this series on cars. We're talking about road rage today. And I have a video for you that I really weighed heavily before I decided to play it for you Uh, because I thought some people might take offense to this video, but that's okay because usually a few times in each sermon there's a chance for you to take offense, and most of the time you don't, right? So this video is not me this week. This is actually a a Christian comedian. It's an older video, and it's called, uh, if you guys can make sure the PC is unmuted before we start. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's 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 called Road Rage in the Church Parking Lot. Right now. Now, before you before we watch this video, uh, I want you to know, uh, remember what I talked about in the beginning. There's different types of road rage. Right. There's there's passive aggressive and then there's there's visible anger. Right. So there's two different types. Uh, But as we watch this video, you you may look at this and say, well, that's extreme for a Christian coming to church. Is it? I just just asking, is it? You know? So let's watch this, and maybe you can find yourself in a couple of spots in this video.
3: I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the spirit, but y'all need to move. Ooh, she is going to wear that into... Tr- Bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church? It's just like, come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Does the jacket go with the shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents expected mother who doesn't have a parking spot these days i have been here 27 years i deserve respect oh yeah go ahead take my parking spot she she probably needs jesus more than me honestly use your mirror how long does it take to back out of a Jesus, give me strength. This is so str. Honestly, there better be coffee. There better be coffee. Y'all are gonna make me park in a handicap spot. Oh, look, there go the homeschoolers. I swear, if somebody took the last jelly donut, I will. Don't make me get out of. The- oh, move. Hey, are the- you on the ministry team? Not today, okay. Oh, you're gonna drive a Lexus. Okay, I know where your treasures at. Not in heaven. The sermon series is what? Putting others in front of yourself. Oh, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, for heaven's sakes, move out of the road. Look at this truck. Where are you going? A church or a Trump rally? Finally found a parking spot 15 minutes late. Oh, it is way too cold out here. But you better bring a shuttle or I will watch this service online.
2: Now, How many of y'all identified with that? I just, I just got to ask, right? One of my, my favorite lines in that old video was, yeah, go ahead, take my parking spot. You need Jesus more than I do anyway. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in that, in that video. So, so talking about uh, basically anger today, right? And how anger is something that we can carry and deal with in our life. It's something that we can struggle with. And it's really something that is junk that we carry around that God wants us to release, right? Anger is something that we can carry that God wants you to just kind of get rid of. So I want to talk about anger today in a constructive way. I want to talk about anger in a way that we can all identify with, but I also want to talk about anger in a way that is that is understandable so that we understand where the anger comes from and that we're able to actually uh, focus on ourselves and do something about it. Because how many of you believe that... Uh, the wrath is not the heart of God, right? Or a person having wrath and being, and being rude and being angry and being mean is not the heart of God for you, right? So the fruits of the Spirit, nowhere in the fruits of the Spirit is rudeness. Right? Rudeness is nowhere in the fruits of the Spirit. Meanness is nowhere in the fruits of the Spirit, right? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? They're areas of what the Holy Spirit is working on us, and anything other than that that we try to bear or carry around on a regular basis is junk that God wants us to get rid of. Amen? So we all deal with anger at times, or to rephrase it, we all have anger sometimes, right each and every one of us in this room you can probably remember a time that you were angry right you can probably remember a time that you felt a certain way because of anger right no matter how sweet and lovable you are uh, sometimes you get angry right uh, even the most sweetest l- most lovable little young girl in this church right that is just precious and 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 pregnant and Come here, help me. Oh, <laughs> this, this is my daughter. Look at how beautiful she is, right? And if you, ever, if you ever call the church, you usually hear her little voice, and it sounds like this. Hi. <laughs> right? And you're like, aw. Like, like, you might have been calling to yell at me about something, and then she answered the phone, and you just went, Aw. And you, you forgot all about it, yet you wonder why I have her in the office, right? She, she, she is so sweet. She answers the phone, and it sounds like this.
1: How can I help you? Welcome to? Redemption Point.
2: Yeah. So so sweet, right? So, so sweet. Would you believe that sometimes she gets angry? No? Uh, most of y'all don't believe that. Come here, Kyle. No, I'm just teasing. I'm going to ask her husband. Does she ever get angry? Never. Let's try that again. uh uh-uh. <laughs> Listen, that's coming from a man who knows where he wants to sleep tonight. <laughs> but no matter how sweet and little and innocent and, and nice that you are, you still on occasion deal with anger. Now, there, let's be honest. There's some people in our life that we just, yeah, I could see that, right? I could see them raging out. I could see them being angry, right? I could, I could kind of come across that. There's people in our life that you're like, man, I'm just, you know, I, do they ever get angry? Dottie, Miss Dottie that goes to church here, like, I don't know if she's ever been angry in her life. Like, I just don't know. Like, she's just so sweet. But, I, but I'm sure that if we went back 20, 30 years maybe. I don't know. But if we went back, at some point in her life, she's dealt with anger. I'm sure at some point in her life, she's had to, to struggle with that. Uh, I have struggled with anger. There's been, there was a time in my life where the Holy Spirit had to do a work in me because I didn't have control of my anger. It was something that I took to the Lord because I, I, just, I, I couldn't deal with it. There were certain things that just set me off, right? And I think almost everybody in this room, there's just certain things that just set you off. There are certain things that make you upset. So so it's true that we all deal with anger. The Bible clearly states in Ephesians 4.26 to be angry, but do not sin. Right? So be angry, but don't sin. Right? So be angry, but don't sin. Is that possible? Is it possible to be angry and yet do not sin? Is it possible for us to do that? Well it's a directive given to us in the word of God it's a directive given us to the Bible and if it's a directive in the Bible then I'm telling you today that it is indeed possible. It is possible for us to be very upset, angry and sin not. Right? It's possible for us to be super mad, right? Dealing with 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 lots of stress and struggle, right? Be super mad and still not sin right it is possible so it's clear that the reaction or emotion of anger is normal how do we know that because it's talked about regularly in the bible god mentions it god talks about it god speaks to us about it god gives us directives directives about it so it it is normal right but the problem that if it's not dealt or if it's dealt with in the wrong way or left to its own devices it becomes sinful so if we don't deal with our anger in the right way, or we don't deal with our anger through the Holy Spirit and listening to the Word of and reading the Word of God, if we don't deal with it the right way, that's when it can become sinful. That's when we deal with it the wrong way. One survey I read as I was studying uh, for, this, for this sermon today is that 70% of new referees or sports officials quit within the first three years. 70%. So, 70% of people who become referees or umpires, sports officials, quit within the first three years. Why? Why does that happen? How many of y'all have kids in Little League or had kids in Little League or had kids in in football or had kids in basketball, right? You know why they quit? Because of you. (laughs) That's why they quit. They said it was the parents. Right now, listen, I didn't have to worry about that. none of my kids were really sports acclimated, so I didn't have to worry about that a whole lot right uh colin we we tried to play baseball with Colin one time. Where is Colin there he is back here we We tried baseball with Colin one time, and we realized he's not a team sports kind of guy right It just it didn't fit him right and i I knew that when they put him in right field, and when the ball was heading towards him, and I looked out, and I'm like, go call." And I stopped, and he was picking flowers in the field, right? I, I knew that wasn't meant for him, right? So he ended up uh, being a wrestler in high school, and, and, and that's good because it wasn't really a team sport, right? He didn't have to, 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 to cover the other people on the team. He went in and wrestled, did his own thing, had his own own stuff, right? Uh, but I never had to deal with that a lot. But there was a few times because uh, Dylan, my oldest, was a cheerleader, so there was a few times with Sharks football in Crystal River that I had to sit and listen to parents just cussing out people from the stands, right? And screaming and yelling and getting angry like it's the World Series, right? And, and mad like it's, like it's the Super Bowl, right? And it's like seven-year-olds out there on the field like running around, you know, and, and they're so angry about it. And, and, and that verbal abuse from the parents and from the coaches, but sports was supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to build character of our kids. And yet referees are, are quitting and leaving uh, to the tune of 70% because of the verbal abuse that they hear from parents and hear from coaches, right? There's something wrong there, and it, it means that we're carrying way too much anger as a people, right? We're allowing anger to, to get a hold of us and cause us to sin. So our scripture states that if we carry this junk in the trunk, it actually grieves the Holy Spirit. So if we don't get a grip on our anger and we allow our anger just to, just, to, just to go crazy and we allow our anger to cause us to sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know about you, but just the thought of that would rein me in when I have a moment of, of just expression and anger taking over me. Just the thought of the, the fact that the Holy Spirit living within me is grieving at my actions right there in that moment. That the Holy Spirit living within me is grieving at how I'm responding to the situation. The thought of that should be enough for each and every one of us to rein it in in the moment. To be angry, but do not sin. So we also know because of modern science and psychology that anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. That means that anger never occurs apart from other emotions. Anger never happens apart from other things, other emotions, things that you felt first before it got to anger. So do you know what that means to me? That means that you have time to head it off before the anger starts. That means that you have time to step in and stop before the anger ramps up. Because if you learn what other emotions are starting to trigger your anger and you learn what other emotions are coming before you rage and get into an angry moment, if you know what the other emotions are, you have time to deal with the other emotions before they lead to anger. You have time to deal with it, right? So, church, if you would for just a moment, and maybe you don't believe me that it's a secondary emotions I'm going to play Mr. Rogers just for a moment this morning. And, church, would you go with me to the land of make-believe? Ding, didda, ding, didda, ding, didda, ding. You know, you got the little, little train going through in the cart. And I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Right? And those listening and watching at home do the same unless you're driving. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. <laughs> but let's think about your favorite meal. Right? Just what you love to eat. Something that just makes you happy when you put it in your mouth. Right? It's your favorite meal. And it's being laid out before you in your favorite place. It's the place that if you had any, any, any inkling at all of where you would want to be the most time, this is the place. If you think about vacation, this is where you want to go. right? So you think about your favorite meal being laid out for you in your favorite place. And not only that, but it's being served to you by your favorite person. right? So the, your favorite person in the world. And if you're married, that should be your spouse, and if not, it might be your mama. But but your favorite person in the world, right, is laying out your favorite dish in your favorite place, and it's cooked perfect. The weather is exactly how you like it. Like, it's to the degree that just makes you happy. Right, Maybe that's uh, 62 degrees, or maybe that's 72 degrees, or for some of y'all it might be 89 degrees. But whatever it is, the weather is to the perfect degree that you like it. Your seat that you're sitting in is the most comfortable seat that you've ever sat in in your life. Like you just sunk into this seat, and not only that, but it started massaging parts of you that you didn't think could be massaged. Right, And you started getting happy just sitting in this seat. Right? Because it's massaging you, it's comfortable, you're eating your best meal in your favorite place served by your favorite person. And then imagine this you are recently down 20 pounds. You have just recently lost 20 pounds and you think you look good, right? And you feel good and you've been on a strict diet, but today this particular meal is your cheat meal. So you get to just enjoy this meal. And when you sat down at this table in that most comfortable chair, you noticed something. Your pants were loose. You just thought to yourself, I've got to go buy smaller pants. Your pants were loose in the moment. You take that first bite, and it's absolutely perfect. Music is playing in the background. Now, in that moment, get angry. Get angry. Hulk out right there. Just just hulk out. Just get angry. Look like a WWF wrestler right there in that moment. You can't really do it, can you? It doesn't really fit. So when we talk about it and we think about, it, you can open your eyes now. Hereby some people, somebody are like, no, I'm finishing this meal. Right. <laughs> you can open your eyes for a moment. But 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 some of us we, we say things like, I just can't control my anger. I I just can't, it just comes on me and I can't do nothing about it, but that's not true, right? The truth of it is, is that it comes on you after many different warning signs, after many different things that come your way, and if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you because you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit has warned you many times before you, before you hulk out, right? The Holy Spirit has said, "Uh uh-uh, uh don't do that, nope, bring it down a notch, step outside, go for a walk right? Holy Spirit has began to talk to you and and you've missed every cue before you get to the place to where you're so angry that you sin. So God gives you opportunity after opportunity to head it off. So we, after today, they say uh, that once we know something, we're responsible for it, right? So after today, you know that you have an opportunity to head off anger before it starts. You know that you have an opportunity to stop it before it gets there. And you can begin to focus on the other things in your life that lead to the anger, the other feelings that you have that lead you to that moment. And if you focus and begin to pray through those, when those are happening, the Holy Spirit will guide you away from sinfully being angry. The Holy Spirit will guide you away from it, right? So anger always, always comes after something else makes you feel another way. So when something else makes you feel another way, then anger will come up. So, so as we talk about the subtitle today and question, why are you so mad? right? And, and maybe some of you today need to think about that for just a few moments and, and think about it and, and say it to yourself. Why am I so mad? Why do I get so angry? Why do I rage? Why do I have bitterness and anger and clamor? Why, why is this verse talking about me? Why did I come to church today? <laughs> Maybe that's what you're thinking, (laughs) right? I didn't want to deal with my anger today. Why did I come here, right? Maybe you're thinking that. But but just think about that for a minute. Like, why am I so mad? But now, next, I want to talk about the, the clarity in Scripture when it comes to anger. There's a lot of clarity in Scripture that some anger is holy. Some anger is holy. And you say, well, does that mean God doesn't want us to be angry? No, some anger is holy. Sometimes God is angry, right? Some anger is holy. In John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22, we read this scripture and we see that Jesus fashions a whip and clears the temple. He turns over tables and he runs merchants out of the temple. Why? Because they were buying and selling and cheating people in the house of God. Right? So there was, a, there was a holy anger that Jesus came in and whips and tables and all of that stuff and begins to run out the people who were cheating the people coming to worship at the house of God. He begins to run those people out. So what makes God angry? God makes, is angry at a misuse of God's funds, a misuse of God's temple, a misuse of God's church. Right, A misuse and abuse of God's people can make God angry. And some of you are like, well, I want to be like that Jesus, right? I want to turn over some tables and I want to fashion a whip and run people out. The truth is, is that most of us can't handle being like that. Because Jesus knows how to do it without sinning. Jesus knows how to do it without taking it too far. Most of us, if we let let it out and we let the lion out of the cage and we begin to get angry and deal with the situations ourselves without seeking help from the Holy Spirit, we don't know when to stop. So we start to sin because we take it too far, right? But Jesus is perfect. He's sinless. He knows how far to take it, when to stop, when to do it, right? Because he's God. In Matthew 21, 12, Jesus cleared the temple for a second time. Matthew 21, 12, Jesus comes back into the temple, doesn't fashion a whip, but clears the temple by turning over tables and running merchants out again for a second time. In Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching and he refers to the Pharisees who are listening and standing there as hypocrites. You brood of vipers. You blind guides. And then he looks at them in the face and asks them point blank, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Jesus is angry in the moment. But it's a holy anger. In the book of Revelation, we see the return of Jesus for his people in the rapture, riding a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, and the wrath of God unleashed on the earth. There's times that God gets angry, but it is a holy anger. It's not a sinful anger. In Matthew 25, 31 through 46, we see Jesus sitting on a throne and separating the goats from the sheep. Separating his faithful followers from those who really never knew him. And in that moment, God's wrath and God's anger is holy. It's holy. So we've got to understand that we can be angry as God's people about sin. Amen? You can be angry about sin. So what does that mean to you today? Does that mean that you hate sinners? No, you'd be angry about sin which traps and ensnares people and causes them to miss out on God's best for their life. And possibly if they don't turn it around and get it together, go to hell instead of heaven for eternity. We can be angry about sin that causes people to slip up. We can be angry about evil. We can be angry about pedophilia and child trafficking and and the things that happen in this world that are despicable and disgusting. We can be angry about those things because that's a righteous, holy anger. We can be angry that there are things in this world that hurt people, that people get hurt. We can be angry about that, and it's a holy anger. It causes us to do something holy, not do something sinful. Right? It's a holy anger. One devotional I studied said this. You can either be mad because of your personal preferences or mad because of God's promises. Or God's purposes, I'm sorry. You You can either be mad because of your personal preferences or God's purposes. So you can be mad to the purpose of God, which causes you to do something that, is, that, is, uh, that grows the kingdom. To do something that betters somebody's life and changes a situation. or you can just be mad and walk around angry because of your personal preferences getting stepped on. Right? So there's two reasons and two ways that we can be angry. But we've got to decipher and decide why we're angry in the moment. Is it me or am I angry because there's sin in the world? Am I angry because, because uh, I'm selfish and I want something in the moment I'm not getting? Or am I angry because God's purposes are getting stepped on right now? Am I angry that people aren't being reached in this region? Am I angry that, that unborn children are being slaughtered in the womb? Am I angry about the things that matter in this world? Or am I just angry because of my personal preferences? Am I just angry out of selfishness? So another way to put this is this. Is your current anger pushing you towards the Lord or away from Him? So in the moment, in the moment when you feel anger begin to pile up in you and you, you start to feel those motions and those feelings happening, in the moment it's time to ask yourself a question, is this pushing me toward the Lord or is this pushing me away from the Lord? And then you know that the reason for your anger, if it's away from the Lord, is selfish and sinful and wrong. And if it's pushing you towards the Lord, you know it's a holy and a righteous anger that's going to cause you to do something different for the kingdom than you've been doing. Right? Sometimes uh, the most impactful people for the kingdom are people who, who an anger builds up into them because something is wrong in the world and it's not happening. And people are ignoring it. Something in this world is evil and it's an atrocity and people are ignoring it. That's how slavery was abolished. Because righteous men with righteous anger stood up and said, this should not be. And when that happened, it started a tra- chain of events worldwide that abolished slavery in Europe and slavery in the United States. Because men stood up and said, this is wrong. Right? I, I long for the day that the church gets unified. And I'm, I, listen, I'm, I'm not going to go there right now. But I long for the day that the church gets unified and stands behind the slaughter of our unborn. Because nothing is going to change unless we get unified. And what I'm preaching about next week is not being sold out to a party, a political party, but being sold out to God. Amen? Next week I'm, I'm talking about kingdom voting. And by that time, I know, I know that it's going to be too late for most people who have cast their ballot. And I know that probably the people listening to me won't change the way they cast their ballot. But I want to share the heart of God on the the situation going on in the United States. I want to share what I believe is the heart of God and what he's been speaking to me. And if you've been coming to church here for a long time, you know that Pastor Steve does not get political. I'm not a political pastor. I don't politically posture. I don't endorse candidates on Facebook. I endorse Jesus Christ. I endorse God. I stand in the pulpit and I posture for the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that if the church, and I'm getting into my sermon next week, but it's okay. I I believe that if the church unified behind the Bible instead of the principles of the Democratic Party or the principles of the Republican Party. And if we unified behind the Bible, then we could really see change begin to happen in the United States because there's 225 million Christians in the United States. And if we would all unify together under the under the Bible and Jesus Christ as our candidate, then we would force both parties to move back towards the center and back towards God and back towards the Bible. Bible. and then we would start whoo and then we would start to see the abolishment of, of, of things that are atrocities in this nation We would start to see babies that are being killed in the womb abolished you know why Because they don't know if they have your vote but right now if white evangelical Christians the Republican Party takes it for granted that they have your vote and if they take it for granted they won't change anything and, and listen. Black evangelical Christians. The Democratic Party takes it for for granted that they have your vote. If they believe they have your vote, they won't change anything. But if 225 million Christians stood up and said, I'm not going to follow a party, I'm not going to follow that, but I'm going to stand up today and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and what he says, it will force them to move back towards God. I'm sick of disunity in the church. I'm sick of elephants versus Democrats versus donkeys. I'm sick of the fighting and the infighting. And you know, it's a tool and it's a trick of the enemy to separate God's church down the middle. For people to say, I'm a black Christian, people to say, I'm a white Christian. People to say, I'm a Democrat Christian. People say, I'm a Republican Christian. I'm a liberal Christian. I'm a conservative Christian. No, you are a Christian, first and foremost, before you're anything else. My God, could you imagine how the world would change if the church would grasp that? There's people that are, that are calling, there's people that are calling for the church to, to step out from under the auspices of a political party which just takes it for granted that you're going to vote for them so they don't do any work to move in the direction of what God wants them to move because they take for granted with a little bit of, of vocal and a little bit of words that you're going to vote What year did Roe versus Wade become law? 1973. 1973. How many uh, conservative presidents have we had since 1973? How many times has the conservative president and the conservative body lined up since 1973? How many times have we had enough conservative justices to overturn Roe versus Wade since 1973? And how many times has it happened? It hasn't happened. We cannot line up behind an elephant. We cannot line up behind the rear end of a donkey. Because when you line up behind the rear end of a donkey or you line up behind the rear end of an elephant, you're going to get the stuff that comes out. But you line up behind Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible says about someone who lined up behind Jesus Christ? She grabbed the hem of his garment. She grabbed the hem of his garment. And she was healed from many years of affliction. And if the church would quit following tales... And grab the hem of his garment, then America and the American church could be healed of a many year affliction. I've been sick of it for a long time. Some pastors get sick of it and they switch parties and go to the other party. I'm sick of both parties. I want to grab a hold of Jesus. I want what the Bible says that we should vote for and do. I want what makes God angry. I want uh, the politicians that line up and decide that they're going to line up with the uh, unified Christian church with over 250 million believers in many different denominations, whether Protestant or Catholic. If we just all unified together... And said, we're not going to vote for a candidate unless they line up with the word of God. Voting the way it's happened for years would change in this country. Everything would change. Here's the problem. Enemy has put a foothold and a wedge of division amongst the Christian church. And has caused the Christian church. Listen, folks. We're talking about anger today. If you drive down the road and you see a sign endorsing a candidate that you don't agree with, and anger rises up in you, you've got a problem. And the more talk shows I listen to, and the more news of a certain persuasion I listen to and watch, the angrier I get when I see the opposition signs. But the more I read the word of God and the more that I line up between, behind Jesus and grab the hem of his garment, the less anger I feel about any individual candidate and the more anger I feel about the state of this country because of politics. I've got to... I've got to get off this or I'm not going to have any time to preach to y'all next week. But I'm not preaching a party next week. I'm preaching a new platform. The platform of the Bible. The platform of following Jesus. That's, that's what I'm choosing to preach next week. That's what's been on my heart. So let's do this, guys. Anger, anger that isn't holy. It's 1209. Wow. You guys give me 10 more minutes. You guys okay with that? Anger that isn't holy is based on your preferences. And there's nothing that twists your preferences more than politics and the state of it today. Right? But anger that isn't holy is based on your preferences. If we go to James chapter 4 verses 1 through 6, this is what it says. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. But even you, when you ask and do not receive, it's because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? with God whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously but he gives more grace therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble so I ask you another question today, church. Why are you so mad when it's not holy? Because something has offended your preferences. You've been disrespected. You feel unloved. Someone slowed you down on the road. Or somebody slowed you down in the road to life. Somebody took your parking spot. Something happened that riled up your preferences and caused you to be angry in an unholy manner. And in this case, it's all about you. Your selfishness has been confronted and everything inside of you wants to fight back. And that is why you're so mad. So when we ask the question, when it's not a holy anger, why are you so mad? It's because your selfishness has been affronted and you want to fight back. It's because my selfishness has been affronted, and I want to fight back. And that's why we get so mad. So I want to leave you with four questions. And those of you who are taking notes, there's usually a spot to do that on the back of the bulletin if you grabbed one on the way in. But four questions I want you to take home today. And if you don't have anything to write on, and this is something that you deal with in your life, can I encourage you to go back and either listen to the podcast when it hits tomorrow or go back and watch rewatch the live stream and write down these questions and put them somewhere where you can see them. And if you deal with anger, begin to ask these questions at the first sign of anger coming up in your life. Number one, when I get angry, the first question is this. Is it because of God's purposes or my preferences? Am I angry because it's something that's an affront to the kingdom of God? Or am I angry because somebody has stepped on my personal preferences the second one is this what is the result of my anger did it hurt or did it help and that's how we need to know if our anger is holy if it's righteous or unrighteous if it's holy or if it's sinful did it hurt or did it help is my anger causing things to get better or things to get worse Proverbs 19.11 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. James 1.19 says let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Question number three. Does how you handle your anger give an opportunity for God to be glorified or the devil to get a foothold? In the moment. How I handle my anger. Is it giving opportunity for the devil to get a foothold in my life, in my family, in my church, in my neighborhood, in my workplace? Is it causing an opportunity for the devil to get a foothold? Or is it giving an opportunity for God to be glorified? Which is it? And that's how you know which way to proceed. If you're giving the devil a foothold, cease. Stop. Immediately hit your knees and pray. Immediately seek another direction. Amen? Number four, have you searched your heart, examined yourself, and asked God for forgiveness and healing? And I think that that's something that we as a church, and not just we as a church, Redemption Point AG, we as a church, United States, worldwide, we as a church need to search our hearts, search ourselves, because I'm... I'm telling you that we're coming to the end of this thing. I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus could could return any moment. And if Jesus returns, are you going to be busy arguing and fighting politics or working the kingdom? Are you going to be holding a tail of an animal or are you going to be grabbing the hem of his garment? And that is something that I believe that we need to be doing. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite Favorite Psalms and particular portion of it that David wrote. And I I love this so much because it's it's a it's a picture of how we need to be when we're dealing with anger. And it looks like this: search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That God, in this moment, before I go to the polls to vote. Before I endorse a candidate, before I post something on Facebook, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me. And then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting, right? That if we just do that, the church would unify so much quicker, so much faster, amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Now, here's the thing, when you go vote early this week or you go vote next week, there's not a lot of choices to honor God, right? You have a political party that has chosen to put God in the forefront, and for a Christian, at, at, in my estimation, I don't have a lot of choices because I feel a certain way about certain uh, policies that are on the ballot, Right? And some of you sitting in this room may feel the same way. Some of you may feel that you don't have a lot of choices because there are certain policies on the ballot. There are certain things that are on the ballot that you care about deeply. For me, it's the life of the unborn. I, I care about the women that it affects, and I care about the babies. And for me, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's it, man. That's a, that's a powerful thing for me. For you, it might be something different that you're voting for. But before you step into the, into the ballot box, before you walk in and grab that sheet, can I ask you to do this? Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to direct you and guide you. Ask him to search your heart and find out exactly if you're in, line, in alignment with him or not. And then each and every person in this room has to make that decision for themselves each and every person in this room has to make their own call, and they have to deal with God themselves, right? So, it's, so that's all that I ask you to do as your pastor this week, and this is the most political you've ever heard me <laughs> in the pulpit in the almost two years I've been with you. I know that this is the most political you've ever heard me, but this today is not a message on politics. It's a referendum against politics message today. I preached you half of it, but the message next week will be a referendum against politics. So with that being said, let me pray over you and then you're dismissed. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. Lord Jesus, I just pray over each and every one of us in this room that we would hear clearly from you. Father, that you would speak to our hearts. For those of us who are dealing with anger, Lord, and it it has us Like it's not that we have anger, it's that anger has us. Those who are dealing with that in this room, I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus that they would be set free from that. I come against and bind and rebuke that spirit of anger that would overtake them and cause them to, to react and act sinfully. Lord, I pray today that they would be set free by your power, Lord. Your power that breaks chains. Your power that moves in families and situations and marriages. Your power, Lord, that moves on people's lives. Father, I pray today that you would break off those chains and do something new in their lives. Father, I pray for our country. I pray, Lord, that we would come to a place of unity. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to unify. But mostly, Lord, I pray that we would be able to come into an agreement that you are God. And that you are sovereign. And that our nation continues or begins to reflect that in in everyday life. Lord, I know that we can't be friends with the world, and we have to be, uh, those of us who are friends with the world are at enmity with God, and I, I know that, Lord, but as we are not uh, of this world, but we are in it, and Lord, we just pray that your sovereign nature would take over. We pray, Lord, that your will would be done. And then I pray for each and every Christian a- across this nation, Lord, each and every person that claims the name of Christ across this nation, that no matter what happens on November, on November 4th, No matter what we see after November 3rd, that we make the decision that we put our faith in God and not a politician. That we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we cling on to the hem of His garment and not something that drags us down. But Father, I pray that we as Christians would unite no matter what the outcome, Lord, that we would unite behind You, Father, and we would want Your will done on this earth. Not anybody else's will. That we line up behind the word of God today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.